If you didn't bring a Bible with you this morning, raise your hand real high. The ushers have extra Bibles. They'd be glad to let you use one of ours. And let's all go to 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter. 1 Corinthians, chapter 15. I want to begin a new series this morning. Is that okay with you? Something that uh, I've had on the back burner for some time now, just stewing, and uh, I'm excited about it. 1 Corinthians 15, I'd like for you to notice the 57th verse. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. Anybody got that one marked? It says, but thanks be to God, which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Thanks be unto God. That, uh, that was, and I guess still is, one of Brother Kenneth Hagin's favorite verses. We'd be going along, walking down a hall, or going to the car, or getting on the plane, and he'd just, out of the blue you might say, he'd just begin to say that. Thanks be unto God, which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I, I say it myself like that quite often. And he is the God who gives us the victory. And it's through our Lord Jesus Christ. And you hear people say this in reference to victory over uh, the victory over a sickness or a problem, victory over a need, victory over a, a failure. And I, I believe that's all true and applicable. But there's a primary application of what he was saying God gives us victory over in this chapter. Now this is what verse? Verse 57? That means there's 56 verses prior to this, right? Leading up to the the culmination of this statement and proclamation of victory in Jesus. I want us to go back to verse 1 and uh, read. We might read all of it, but uh, most of it at least. You got time? You know, nothing I could say would be any more important than what we're about to read in this Right? In this chapter. So we're not wasting your time reading this. Besides that, there's a different anointing on it when we read it like this, together in the service and with the anointing of ministry. But back up to verse 1 and, uh, and focus with me on it. Verse 1, he said, Brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received and wherein you stand, by which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I preach to you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, as Peter, Then of the twelve, after that he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. And after that he was seen of James, then of all the apostles, and last of all he was seen of me also, as of one born out of due time. He's saying Jesus uh, died, but he was raised from the dead. And he said, these saw him, and these saw him, And these 500 people saw him at one time, and James saw him, and he said, I saw him. I saw him. After he had died, he was raised from the dead. And all these people saw him, and he said, I saw him too. You know, he did on the road to Damascus, didn't he? He saw him. And he saw him at times after that. But uh, skip on down. To verse uh, 12. Now if Christ be preached. That he rose from the dead. How say some among you. That there is no resurrection. Of the dead. Apparently there were some people. That were saying. There was no resurrection. He went on to say. If there be no resurrection of the dead. Then is Christ not risen. 
And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Now, friend, it doesn't get any more important than this. Was he or was he not raised from the dead? If he wasn't raised from the dead, you ought not be in here this morning. Hmm? All the preaching is a waste of time. Every denomination, every group, every church is a farce. Is nothing to it. It doesn't get much more important than this. Did he raise from the dead? You'll hear some people saying, well, you know, these spectacular supernatural things we're not all in agreement on. I mean, the virgin birth, the literal, physical resurrection from, I've heard people say, well, you know, we, we disagree on some of those things, but that's not the most important thing. The most important thing are, are the teachings of Jesus, what he taught. That's the, no, you're wrong. If he didn't raise from the dead, there is no salvation. There is no church. No. This is all important. Isn't it? He said, if he didn't raise from the dead, our preaching is in vain. Your faith is in vain. This whole thing is for nothing. If he didn't raise from the dead. What do you think? Did he? Or not? Huh? <laughs> Verse 14. If Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain? Your faith is vain? Yea, and we're found false witnesses of God, because we testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. But if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. He keeps saying it again. You are yet in your sins if he didn't raise up. And they which are asleep in Christ are perished. That's the end. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we're of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead? He is. He has. He did. He did. And he is. Oh, friend, it makes all the difference whether you believe that or not. It is not optional. If you want to if you want to live, if you want to be saved, if you want a future in eternity, you got to get this settled forever. He was born of a virgin. He did die and bear my sins and yours. And he was raised from the dead. And he's alive. And he's coming back again. Now is Christ risen from the dead. And he's not the last one to be raised from the dead. He's just the first one. He's the first fruits of them that slept. What does that mean? What happened to him is going to happen to you. And me. Mm, I like this already. How about you? Glory to God. Glory to God. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterward they that are Christ's at his coming. Thank you, Lord. Then comes the end. When he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power, for he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. Death is not a friend. Death is an enemy. And it is the last enemy that's going to be done away with. That'll be put underfoot. I've heard preachers even say, you know, that they they were uh, given peace by sweet death. You know, and then by, death is an enemy. There's a reason why our natural body and and everything about us naturally 
resists death and recoils from death. We weren't made to die. We're made to live forever. It's only because of sin that death is in the world. And then that death is passed upon all men because all have sinned, the scripture said. But there's coming a time. I said there's coming a time when death, the last enemy, is going to be destroyed. And after that, there will be no more dying. No more. Now that's kind of hard for us to wrap our head around because from the time we've been in this planet, everything around us is dying. Everything is dying. The planet itself is groaning and creaking. You know, these tornadoes, these storms, the the problems with the weather. uh, That's not the the good pleasure and will of God. The The planet is experiencing some of the same effects as our bodies. Our bodies are made out of the materials of the planet. And and the Bible said the earth is groaning and travailing. Why? It's dying in some ways. But God's going to fix everything. I said he's going to fix everything. And soon and very soon, there will be no more death. We don't know what that means. That means the plants don't die. The animals don't die. Nothing dies. The grass never dies. We've never been in a place like that. But we're going to. Where nothing ever dies. Death will be no more. It'll be a thing of the long forgotten past. No more dying. Death is an enemy. The last enemy. That shall be destroyed. Skip on down to... uh, Verse 35, but some will say, how are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? This is unbelief and sarcasm. We buried them, you know, 50 years ago. Their bodies decomposed. How are they going to be raised up? Verse 36, his answer is, you fool. I mean, it doesn't pay to talk smarty aleck and unbelieving to God. That just shows how foolish you are. That which you sow is not quickened except it die. Keep reading. That which you sow, you sow not the body that shall be, but bare grain that may chance of wheat or of some other grain. And God gives it a body as it has pleased him into every seed his own body. So he said it's like a seed when you plant it. It dies, but that's not the end of it. Out of that death comes a new plant. Right? A new life. Skip on down to verse uh, um, 42. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption, but it's raised in incorruption. It's sown in dishonor, but it's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness, but it's raised in power. It's sown a natural body, but it's raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body, and there is a spiritual body. Whew. Man, I would have come and read this just for myself. <laughs> Verse 45, so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Howbeit that... Uh, That's not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward that which is spiritual. So we're experiencing the natural now. But our bodies, are, is going to talk about it in just a minute, are going to be changed, and our bodies are going to become spiritual bodies. No longer subject to corruption. No longer subject to decay. That includes aging. Aging is decay. Is this true? Is it true? It's just as true as Jesus being raised from the dead. Because that's what this is based on. And if you believe he was raised from the dead, then you believe this. You believe 
You believe what happened to his body is your future. Philippians says, our body is going to be changed and made just like his glorious body. The Bible calls our current condition vile. (laughs) It is. Anything dying is stinky. (laughs) And that's all we've been exposed to. But I'm sure if we could go out of all this and stay out a while and then come back, we'd go, oh, no, 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 don't make me go back to that stinky, vile, corrupt, decaying, dying. That's where we are. But by the grace of God, we can run our race. We can finish our course. We can believe him for healing and repair work and strength and whatever it takes to finish our race and run our course. But this is what we've got to look forward to. Incorruption. Immortality. Somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Keep reading. Verse 49 As we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. That's just like Jesus' body. Now this I say, brethren, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither does corruption inherit incorruption. We can't enter into the glory of God, into heaven, into the new city. We can't in our current condition. It's too corrupt. It's been too affected. It's got to be changed. It's got to be cleaned up and fixed up. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. He said, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling, we'd probably say blinking, of an eye. At the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Say, I'm going to be changed. I'm going to be changed. How quick? Blink your eyes. Try it one time. Okay, blink your eyes. Changed. This is not a fairy tale. Soon and very soon, this is going to happen. The trumpet's going to sound. The power of God's going to hit you. It's going to go over your body. And your body's going to be changed. At a level we can't even measure. And it will no longer be mortal. It will no longer be subject. To pain. Nor decay. Nor corruption. And you'll finally have a body. That can keep up with your recreated human spirit. You'll have a body. Just like Jesus body. He did some amazing things. After he was raised from the dead. He went to heaven. He came back. He went. He came, he went through walls, he appeared in different forms, he looked one way this time, he looked another way that time. You know, talking about changing your hairstyles, you can just look different because you feel different, I guess, because you're amazing, radiant. And he also ate fish and bread. You still get to eat. (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of rejoicing through the crowd. This is our future, saints. This is not a fairy tale. This is reality in God. He went on to say, This corruptible must put on incorruption. This mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. Swallow means gulp completely. What? Victory is going to gulp death up. And it'll be no more. And death will be forever destroyed and defeated. And there will be no more death. Nothing will ever die again. Do you believe it? And all this we can believe because our Lord was raised from the dead. That's why we can believe it. That has happened. Not going to happen. That has happened. That's already happened. 
Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, he's, you can tell he's done preached himself happy. He, he, gets, he, he gets sassy. He said, oh, death, where's your sting? Oh, grave, where's your victory? Where's your bite? Death, where's your victory? Grave, you don't have victory, grave. Hmm? Skip on down to verse 57. But thanks be to God. Which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. In light of all this, what victory is he talking about? Victory over death. Victory over death. Do we have victory over death? Yes, we do. We have it through our Lord Jesus Christ because he obtained victory over it himself. He died But then he rose triumphant over death. Thank you Lord. Can you say amen? Amen. Go with me if you would over to the 90th Psalm. Psalm 90. Now if we have victory over death. It should not be a terror to us, should it? The Bible talks about, in Hebrews, the fear of death and how it makes a person subject to bondage their entire life. You are not free to live until you're no longer afraid to die. As long as you are afraid of death, it will warp your life. It will keep you in a a form of dread. And you see people that they're either dreading their self dying or dreading someone around them dying. And they act like the worst thing that could possibly happen to you is to die. And they talk about death as though it is the end. Termination. Death is not termination. Death is transition. Hmm? It's not termination. It's not the end. It's simply a transition. Out of here to there. The Bible calls it A departure. (laughs) A departure. Births are arrivals. Deaths are not terminations. Deaths are departures. You're just leaving from one place, going somewhere else. That's not a fairy tale. That's not a theory. That's reality. If that's true, and we do have victory over death, then why would we be tormented by it? Why would we be tortured by it? Why would we pace the floor and and wring our hands and go, oh, they may die? Huh? It's quiet in here. Why would we go, oh, what if they tell me I'm going to die? I may die. No, let me clear it up for you. No may about it. <laughs> if the Lord tears his coming, just take, take your fingernail and make as small amount as you can. If the Lord tears that long, you're going to die. Not maybe. You're going. How many people around here alive still that lived in the 1300s? <laughs> How many? How many? 1400s. Huh? 1500s. How many alive today? They lived in the 1700s. How many alive? Huh? The Lord tears is coming a couple of hundred years from now. How many of us will be here? 200 years from now. How many of us will be here? Not a one. 
Not a one. Now we know the Lord could come. And if he comes and catches us away. That's amazing. But if he tarries just a very micro amount. We're, we're going to die. Are you afraid to die? No. That was three people. <laughs> How many are believing to live a long full life? Huh? Scripture said with long life. I'll satisfy you. Didn't mean you'll live forever. But a long, full life. How many believe in to live a long, full life? Are you really? That means you're going to a lot of funerals. If you live a long time, you're going to outlive a lot of your friends and family. Huh? Maybe siblings, others. You're going to go to a lot of funerals. Is that going to torture you? Hmm? Is the grief going to incapacitate you? We should not uh, act shocked when somebody dies. That's such a uh, state of of, of deception and and, and non-awareness. When David was at the about to die, he said this. He said, "I go the way of all the earth." We're told from the most recent census, there's about seven billion people on the planet, almost seven billion on the planet right now. You reckon people are dying every day? Huh? Out of 7 billion people on the planet, how many are dying? Is it a regular thing that people die on planet Earth? We're told that on average, every second, two people die somewhere in the world. Two more. Two more. Two more. Two more die and that uh, by the time I finish speaking (laughs) depending on how long I go about 6,500 people will have died before we finish the service today 6,500 before the day is over about 156,000 in one day. Before the year is over, about 57 million, 57 million people will die in a year's time. Two more. Two more. Right? Two more. Two more. And pretty soon, me and you too. Huh? Should that scare us? Should that trouble us? And yet you you got people, Christians included, that just are tortured by the thought of death. And will just do anything to try to eke out another few days down here. Like that's all there is. Hmm? No. This is the shortest thing we'll ever do. This life right here. It's the briefest thing we'll ever do. Did you find Psalm 90? What's the title of our series? Victory over death. What about death? We have victory. Victory over death. Psalm 90, verse 1. He said, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. How long has he been around? 
Everlasting. How long will he be around? Everlasting. How long is that? We don't know. You can't, you can't, we can't put a clock on it or a calendar. Verse 4, for a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past and is as a watch in the night. A thousand years, ten centuries, a millennia to God is like yesterday. That's his perception of the passing of it. And of course he's right. Hmm? So if you live a hundred years, that's a tenth of a day to his perspective. That'd be like living a couple hours. <laughs> that's the length of our service this morning. <laughs> is how your your and my life really is, even if you make it to a hundred plus. A lot of folks don't make it that long. So, yes, the Lord's coming back again, and there will be those who are alive and remain, and they'll be caught up to, together with Him. We'll be changed, but if He tarries His time just a couple of minutes, that could be too long for us, right? And we don't want Him to hurry back from one perspective. We want everybody to be saved that can be saved. And the reason why He hasn't already come back is because of His long-suffering the Bible said, not willing that any should perish. He, he, he's letting this go to give people more time to, to come to him and get to know him and future generations. But uh, the scripture said, what is your life, James says? It's, it's a vapor. It's a mist that appears for a couple hours. Right? A couple hours from God's perspective. Keep reading. <laughs> if you say, I don't like to talk about this, Brother Keith, that's why I'm talking about it. Because you need to get free. Amen. When you get to thinking right, it won't bother you to talk about dying. Verse uh, 12 Teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Teach us to number. Our number means count. Are you keeping track of your days? Are you counting the days? What? There's a countdown to when you're out of here. Hmm? <laughs> Are you counting them off? <laughs> People say, I don't like to think about them. You need to think about this. Because the Bible said count them. Number them. Teach us to number them. Let me read some other translations. The New Century says, Teach us how short our lives really are so that we may be wise. See, this has to do with wisdom. If you don't keep yourself aware of how few days you have left, you will squander your time. You will blow it and waste it on nothing stuff. Precious time that you can't get back. But when you wake up every day realizing, I don't have many of these left down here. I just have a, just a handful. I need to do what I'm supposed to do. I need to do what I'm put here to do. Because soon and very, very soon, I'm out of here. I'm, my, my life is like a two-hour mist. And I've already spent an hour of it. Come on, are y'all with me? Some people have already spent an hour and 50 minutes. <laughs> but should that scare you? Should that trouble you? Should that bother you? Oh my God, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. Two more just then. Two more. Two more. But I'm not scared. How about you? That does not depress me. Why? Because thanks be unto God, which gives me the victory 
through my Lord Jesus Christ. He died, but he ain't dead. I said he died, but he's not dead. He rose from the dead. He didn't do it for himself. He didn't need it. He did it for you. He did it for me. He did it for us. His victory over death is our victory over death. And when you know the truth, you can stand by the graveside of someone dear to your heart. And yeah, your, your, your soul, you got feelings, a tear may come down your cheek, but you can stand there and go, death, where's your bite? Grave, where's your victory? This is not the end. It's sown in corruption. It's raised in incorruption. It's sown in weakness, but it's going to be raised in power and glory. And the trumpet is going to sound. And the dead in Christ are going to rise. And all of us are going to be changed. And death will be no more. No more. No more. No more. The New Living Translation of Psalm 90 verse 12 says, Teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. This is the briefest, shortest thing we'll do. I know it seems like a long time, but it's only because this is all we've ever done. Soon and very soon, we're going we're gonna to find out what all this is about. Our minds and our hearts are going to be expanded like the oceans. Can you say amen? amen? I think for the first century or two, we're just going to be going, wow. Wow. Oh. Wow. But friends, it is to be a part of our witness in this life that we are not afraid of death like others are. And we don't mourn and grieve like those who have no hope. Because there is hope. There is a future. The grave is not the end. Can you say amen? Amen. And we ought not be shocked when somebody dies. Two more. Right? Two more. Two more. We shouldn't be surprised. We shouldn't be shocked by it. We should be aware. We should know it's happening all around us. We should know it's nothing new. Our mom dies. Our dad, our Brother, our sister, our friend, whoever. Yeah, you got a soul. You'll have some feelings. But you also got to know that hundreds of thousands of people all over the planet experience the same thing today. Right? Same thing yesterday. Same thing tomorrow. We should have known they're not going to live down here forever. Nor are you. Nor am I. We know it's coming. Right? And soon. And we need to be numbering the days. I know some years ago, I had my calendar out, and I was thinking about some things and praying about some things, and I went over, and and I'm into, you know, 2010, then I'm into 2020, and then I'm looking into 2000 this, and after a while I realized, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. I probably won't be here. I mean, by that, I'm believing to live a while, but, you know, that's, that's getting pretty far out. You know, 150 is a stretch. <laughs> right? <laughs> so, uh, and besides that, I don't want to stay down here when I get my job done. Do you? I mean, when, when my race is run and my course is through... Your tour of duty is done. I mean, when your tour is done, you ought to be able to leave the battlefield. Shouldn't you? Go somewhere nice. (laughs) Relaxing. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Go with me to Philippians, if you would, please.
Philippians, the first chapter. Philippians chapter 1. I'm believing God in this teaching for you and me and everybody that hears it, is affected by it later, for our minds to be renewed and not think wrong and get absolutely free from the fear of death. Because you're not ready and fit to live until you're ready and unafraid to die. You're, you're just not. The fear of death affects everything about your life. You'll be, you won't do this. You won't step out to this, do this. You, you, you'll do this pensively and, and half effort. And you're always dreading and drawn. And you know, well, what if I... I don't know, what, what if this happens? And, and, and all the phobias that are on the list are really one phobia. Hmm? Fear of spiders is really a fear of dying. Fear of flying is a fear. You're not just afraid to fly, afraid to fly. What are you laughing about? Boy, you, you really jumped right on that, didn't you? You're not just afraid to fly, you're afraid to die. Amen. You're not afraid of flying, you're afraid of whoo, boom, crashing and dying. Yes. Afraid of close in places, no, you're afraid of smothering and dying. Afraid of heights, no, you're afraid of falling and dying. Right? It's a fear of dying because dying is the most serious obviously worst thing that could ever happen to you. I mean, you know, a lot of stuff could happen, but when you're dead, man, you're dead. <laughs> Zippo, that's it. Curtains, gone, done, wrong, wrong, wrong. Death is not the end. It is not termination. It is transition. Death is out of here to there. Death is just not here, but there. We're going to get into some rich things. I'm believing for utterance. I'm believing for revelation. We're going to get into some rich things. The Bible shows some things about how it is outside this body. And it is, it is awesome. We're going to talk about it so. We don't realize it, but we are dulled down, way down. This life is slow and hard and pressure and heavy and cumbersome. And you get out of here and it's like... The lights come on and you're free and everything unfolds. Those that have been out and come back say, man, the colors, the sounds. It's like your senses are just amplified a thousand times like you never saw before. You never heard before. Why? Because everything's muted by this flesh and by the stuff that's here. It's nothing to fear for the child of God. I said, it's nothing to fear. I said, man, that sounds good. I think I'll just leave today. No, 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 (laughs) no. You got a job to do. Do your job. Then you can get out of here. Right? But we, we need mind renewal. And when your mind's renewed and you know the truth, the truth makes you free. And it'll make you free from the fear of death. And when you're free, when you have no fear of dying, I mean genuinely have no fear of dying, it turns you into another person. Somebody throw a 45 in your face and go, I'm going to blow your brains out. You go, really? (laughs) You mean I get to see Jesus today? (laughs) You're not afraid. 
Hmm? What is this and what is that and what is the other? When you're not afraid to die, it gives you a boldness. It gives you a courage. It gives you a confidence to live. Like you've not, I'm not talking about being reckless and stupid. I'm just talking about not being curtained by fear. Not being restricted and held in and scared out and scared back. Man, you'll step up. You'll step out. You'll do whatever God tells you to do. Philippians 1, did you find it? Now there's a couple of things that I, I, I made changes in my heart and mind and how I talk years ago, decades ago. And you see some of it in this, in this passage right here. In Philippians 1, he says, verse 20, According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. Did you know God can be glorified in your death? In how you leave? And how you go, God can be glorified as we live, and he can be glorified as we leave in our death. Verse 21, for to me to live is Christ, and to die is loss. Loss. Huh? Sorry for your loss. Huh? We lost mama. Hmm? We lost grandpa. Sorry for your loss. To die is loss. Huh? Why am I saying this? Because most of the church world talks loss in connection with death. They do not talk gain, they talk loss. I think we're going to lose them. Yep. We lost them. <laughs> Are they lost? No. Huh? No. Now, we're talking about believers now. If you could talk to them after they died, you say, Are you, are you lost? They go, Oh, no. <laughs> I know where, where I am. <laughs> Have you been lost? No. I don't refer to my loved ones that have gone home to be with the Lord that I lost them, nor do I refer to them in the past tense. Hmm? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are not just people who lived a long, long time ago. They're alive and well today. As is Elijah and Elisha, Peter, James, and John, Paul, Right? They're not were. They are. They're just not here. They're there. But they are. There. Are y'all with me? We didn't lose them. They just relocated. I mean, if you had relatives here in Missouri and they moved to Arkansas, you wouldn't cry and go, we lost them. Yeah, they're over there in Arkansas. <laughs> we lost them. Sorry for your loss. <laughs> we didn't lose them. We know where they are. They know where they are. Nobody's lost. They're not gone forever. They're just not here. They're there. And we're going to be there. In about 30 minutes. <laughs> God time. <laughs> Maybe an hour. I can wait an hour to see them. Come on, are y'all listening to me or not? I mean, a thousand years to God is like yesterday. Well, a hundred years is a tenth of that. That's 2.4 hours. Right? If you've already lived half your life, if you're 50 years old, then all you got to wait is an hour. Can you wait an hour 
to see your loved ones and your friends? I see them in an hour. And to them, that's how it is. I'm convinced. Well, you know, they're with God, so their perspective has changed in time from how it was down here to his time. They're with him now. So they're experiencing it like he does. And I'm convinced that people that have been dead for 40 years, and, and we, we live another X amount of how long, and, and we die, they'll look up and go, you're already here. Because <laughs> to them, it was just a couple hours. This is, this is scripture, isn't it? To live is Christ, and to die is loss. Loss. <laughs> Sorry for your loss. We lost them. They're gone. <laughs> well, gone from the body, gone from the earth, not gone for good. To die is gain. 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 Somebody say gain. 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 He said, if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I wot not. You know, the choices we make determine how long we stay down here. Some people leave early. You don't want to do that. This thing's short enough as it is. I'm in a strait betwixt two, he said, having a desire to depart and to go to be with Christ. He said, I want to get out of here. I want to see him. I want to go to be with him, which is far better. Getting out of here and going to be with the Lord is far better than being here. Because here we're just walking by faith with him. There we see him face to face. Somebody say far better. Far better. Gain. Far better. Now some folks say, well, yeah, 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 but you know, I lost them. It's my loss. I've got a scripture for you. John, go to John. (laughs) (laughs) You knew I'd have one for you, didn't you? Okay. Go to John. (laughs) 14. To die is gain. How many think it'd be good to kind of work that word loss out of your vocabulary concerning death? And stop referring to people that have died in the past tense. Well, you know, so-and-so used to be this. And, you know, they, they were. Well, they still are. They're very much alive. Just in a different place. Hmm? Not used to be. Not were. Do you have family and friends that have gone on? Huh? They are. Not were. And I tell you, the next time you see them. They're going to look better than you ever saw them look. Your parents and your grandparents, you never saw them when they were 18. You wait till you see them. You're going to be amazed. And when you're, as you're oohing and aahing over them, they're going to say, well, hey, you don't look so bad yourself. <laughs> and you're going to want to go look in the mirror. <laughs> Because we have so many issues caused by decay. (laughs) We're not at our best right now. (laughs) John 14. Did you find it? Can you take a little bit more of this? People say, well, yeah, you know, um, I understand that. but, But I've lost them. I've lost them. And it, and it hurts and it, it causes me pain. Jesus was telling his disciples that he was leaving. And boy, it bothered them. It upset them. And they came to him one by one and told him, oh, no, no, we're going with you. We will die with you. But no, you can't leave us. He said, no, I'm, I'm going. 
I'm going. And they were distraught. They were upset at the thought of losing him. But notice what he said to them. In verse 27. John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid, unless there's a funeral. Nope. <laughs> huh? Nope. Unless somebody died. Nope. Then you can forget that verse. Nope. No. It is such a powerful witness that we are not afraid of death. And that we don't mourn and grieve like those who have no hope when somebody does die. People will look at us that don't know these things. And they will see the strength. And they will see the light. And they will see the peace and joy and go, how do you do it? How do you, how are you not falling apart? How are you not crumbling and just heaving and crying? And and how are you not just full of grief and sorrow? It's because the truth has made you free. The truth has changed your thinking, has renewed your mind, and you've realized, thanks be unto God. He's given me the victory over death. This is not the end. Where is your bite? Where is your sting? Where is your victory? Oh, grave and death, you don't have it. Jesus has it. He's got the keys to death, hell, and the grave. (laughs) I don't have to be afraid of death. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let it be. You'll be tempted. You will be tempted, but resist it. There'll be times if you catch yourself yielding to it, you need to stand up and go, quit that, quit that, quit that. Yeah, you'll miss them for a few days, but you're going to see them in 45 minutes. (laughs) Can you keep it together for 45 minutes till you see them again? You didn't lose them forever. They just relocated. And here's the other thing. Notice the next verse, the very next verse. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let it be afraid. You have heard how I said to you, I go away. I'm going now. I'm coming again. If you loved me, you would rejoice. (laughs) Oh, come on. Do you see this? If you loved me, you would rejoice because I said I'm going to the Father. And friend, if you love them, you rejoice. If you're only thinking about yourself and you don't have faith in the victory over death, then you'll grieve and you'll sorrow year after year like there's no hope and like there's, it's the end of everything. But if you love them and you realize they got no more pain, no more problems, they're out of here, they're with the Father, they're in the presence of Jesus, you'd rejoice for them. You'd be glad for them if you loved them. Can you see this? See, so much of the grieving and sorrowing, it's just selfishness and it's unbelief. It's acting like Jesus didn't raise from the dead. It's acting like heaven's not real. It's acting like all these things are not true. Oh, friend, there's great victory here today. There's great victory in these verses. There's great victory in this word. Our thinking can be changed. Our perception can be changed. The way we talk, the way we act, the way we respond. Two more died. Two more. Two more. This is a part of life. This is the way of all the earth. This is happening. In a few more minutes, you and I are gone. It doesn't scare me. How about you? It doesn't shake me. It doesn't scare me. That's not the worst thing that can happen to a child of God. Is it? To depart and be with Christ, which is gain and to be far better. The worst thing that can happen, living or dying, is to be without the Lord. That's the worst thing that can happen to anybody, living or dead, is to be without Him. Thank God I'm not without Him. And if you've been without him, you're in the right place right now this morning. You can receive him. You can be with him. You can be gloriously born again. Name written in the Lamb's book of life. And a secure future through death and to the other side. Can you say amen? Amen. 
Stand up on your feet, everybody. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.